Welcome to Comfortable Place on the Couch, a short-run podcast exploring every Midnight Oil album in the year of their Great Circle Tour. My name is Darren Folds, and in the upcoming months, maybe, I'll be spinning every Midnight Oil studio album from my comfortable couch, as well as taking a listen to some of their EPs, live recordings, and video releases. Joining me each episode is my longtime friend and fellow Midnight Oil enthusiast, Robin Harbrin. How are you doing, Mr. Harbrin, tonight? It is hot. What are we doing? It's late September. Man alive, In eh? Thunder Bay. It is, summer is over. It is officially autumn day number two in the Northern yeah, Hemisphere. I, th- I believe so. And here we are with the windows open. The crickets chirping. And we're kind of stinky. Oh, it is hot. We're giving off smell. It was at least 28 degrees at one point today. That is crazy for Thunder Bay. It should be about 15 as a high and likely frosting overnight. I'm not complaining. I kind of am. Tonight. Tonight. Is the first night that we're not spinning any vinyl. Yeah. We, we are not able to spin the vinyl because I have no vinyl breathe. It is not impossible, but it's expensive and difficult mm-hmm. to obtain breathe on vinyl. Are, are we correct in saying there was only one place in the whole world that originally two places? I think so. I think that there was an Australian pressing and I think there was a Dutch pressing. Uh, it was the Dutch one I was thinking of. Yeah. And that would have been weird, I guess, if there was no pressing in Australia. Yeah. But 96 was getting pretty late. That's what year we're in, right? 96. We are. Do you remember where you bought this album? So this was when the internet was still not so available. Still a baby. Still a baby. Was this released in late 96? I'm October. Yeah. Oh, so that was my birthday. And 96 is the year I got married. Yeah, this was released October 15th. Okay, so... So, like, just so after just, your birthday. Just a couple months... No. After I got married. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so around my birthday, I think I went to a local music store mm. um, that was in, like, McIntyre Center there. Oh, yeah, up yeah. On the I know no- the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, a local independent music store. Yeah. Yeah. And they only hung around for a little while. Yeah. And I think I went there. It might have been Redneck I'm thinking of, but I think, oh, yeah. it, was, I think it was Breathe. Okay. How about you? Do you? I think I got Breathe at, was it the Future Shop way back then? The Future Shop. I don't know if they ever had the in their name. <laughs> the but, Safeway? But you and Kevin always <laughs> add the in front of it. I think I got it at Future Shop, and I think it was, you know when they used to have, they would have headphones yeah, attached to like a CD- a listening station? Yeah. Is that what you want to say? Yeah, and I think that Breathe was available through the listening station. Oh. Which is kind of strange. That's better promotion than than we thought it would have. I I think I listened to it there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Or maybe I maybe I just remember buying it there and noticing that there were listening stations there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we were surprised when this came out, right? Like we didn't really I wasn't know ready it was for coming. It. Yeah, it was like yeah. it being a, a long three years since Earth, Sun, and Moon. Yep. And uh, we graduated from university between these times, or at least kind of finished university. Yeah. We yeah. kind of tripped over the finish line. Yeah. Uh, fell down. And... Okay, I fell. 
My nose is over. Yeah. I got enough credits. I, I got Give enough me my credits. diploma. My degree. Give me a degree. Any degree. We got one called general degree. Yep. I'll take it. General science degree? Thank F- you. 15 credits. We're in. If I had one more arts credit, it would have been an arts degree. But it's not. I think I was like right on the cusp. You could go either way and science sound a little smarter. Yeah. Well, I think I ended up taking all that math. Or not the math stuff, but the comp sci stuff. Yeah. Even though I finished with lots of... I think you did too, with lots of art stuff. Yeah, we 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 did weird things in university, like uh, getting, T- like took a long time, like took, a and long then time. decided let's get this over with. What can we take? Hmm, spring singers. Yeah. Yes, we'll take a choir. That was awesome. Join the to, choir. We got to sing in the choir. Uh, jazz appreciation. Oh, the where, best choir. Hey, where the final you... exam included yeah. the potluck dinner. The, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the final exam was basically. Bring some New Orleans food. Oh, this is topical. Yeah. Uh, New Orleans food and sing us a song. Yep. Oh, yeah. And you played bass. I, I got to play bass with a bunch of really good musicians. It was like Blue Moon. It wasn't Blue yeah, Moon. Yeah, it, it? Was, it was Blue Moon. So we had this this woman with the sultry voice. Yeah. She was singing for us this old jazz song. And then uh, Kenny, who was a professional guitar player, uh, he was Gowan's guitarist. Like Lawrence Gowan? Yes, Lawrence Gowan, a, a like famous Canadian... You're a strange animal? You're a strange animal. That's really? what I know. Wow. Yeah, so he would... I don't know if he played on the studio albums, but he was definitely... He toured with... Like, he was the guitarist right for on. the traveling Gowan show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, and then he decided that he had to make something of his life, so he decided to get a music degree... From Lakehead University. From Lakehead University. Poor guy. But, I mean, he was a local guy. Yeah. And then we were going to start playing Blue Moon, and I was my 1996 me had no bass sophistication. Right. I was just okay. I'm going to play this like every other song I play on bass, yeah. which was you know our. Well, you know what I could do. Probably then. like how I play bass now. <laughs> Where's the root note? Yeah. Well, you know plunk, I played plunk, some plunk. good stuff on our early, in my opinion, oh, but yeah. it was in its, it was in its place. It was not a good jazz line. He's like, no, no, no. He didn't say no, no, no. You <laughs> suck. He said, no, 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 that's is... not right for jazz. Okay. Yeah, and he said, this is what you should do. And he actually took the time to write the whole thing out for me. He wrote a bass line oh, for yeah. me. Right on. And I learned it note for note, and I played it, and he was happy with me. And that was good. That was really nice of him. And that, that was how we got our mark. Anyway, yep. I, I, yeah. we had a potluck, and yeah. <laughs> yep. But I think we were. we also took, like, elementary rudiments rudiments one or maybe we even took yeah. rudiments two yeah one or two or both yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah we got to end up with these music credits while we were pursuing our sort of computer science degrees yeah and eventually hey we've reached the magic number <laughs> give me my degree let's cash out yep yeah i stayed around a bit longer because i was doing all those co-op uh, oh yeah you were able to I, I got one co-op term out of it yeah i ended up getting all my co-op terms out of it and oh, that yeah. turned into my telephone job oh right after on. okay yeah all right so that's 96 i guess the point <laughs> is if there's a point this is when we transition from university students into proper grown-ups not or, me oh that's right i became a proper married house owning grown-up yep with children on the way yep and uh darren did not he, he i decided i was going me and me i took the electric guitar player from the band yeah and, broke up our band and we decided to go down to minneapolis to go to Bible college. Yeah. And uh, we had a good time down there. Yeah. 
like I I was having fun doing my thing, but I really did miss out on this uh, second third childhood. I don't know. Yeah. Of going off to school again. Yeah. Uh, and then that's, and this was like the first time that I was like living in a dorm and stuff too. Yeah. So it was you know down living in the states. Yeah. It was a little bit different. Yeah, it was different. Yep. Wow. But that was after I got. That breathed. was after breathe. Just to tie it all back together. Okay, so are we going to talk about the album, Darren? Well, what do you want okay. to talk about? Yeah. This this is the conundrum. Yeah. Um, we were talking earlier today, and I was saying, man, I think that we could probably end up making another seven hour recording on breathe i didn't think so yeah i wasn't expecting this yeah but breathe is a pretty deep album there's a lot to dig out of it it's got 13 songs so it's it's a long album so it's going to be long anyway like if you take time on the songs but i think there's a lot of substance to it there's more substance than i was expecting so yeah let's take some time let's talk about the album as a whole Mm -hmm. and we'll see how things go yeah. Okay, let's tackle business as usual before we get to the album, Robin. Okay, I like how it's called business as usual now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it's called that. Do you know that I was reading a novel um, this past month and I came across the word tup? I don't know if you remember, I noticed a strange tup in one of the songs. <laughs> Now that I know the meaning of this ahead of time, this is different. Okay, yes. You, um, you noticed a strange tup, yeah, did you? Yeah, I, I, I don't know why I said the word tup. Tup was just a word that came out of my mouth. It yeah. doesn't, didn't mean anything. It nope. was just a strange noise that I heard. Maybe the tup was describing the sound of the noise. Anyway, yeah. I was reading this book, Patrick Rothfuss, The Name of the Wind, yeah. and I came across the word tup, and so I looked it up. Sheep copulation. Boy, oh boy. It was probably for the sheepyards of New Zealand. We were talking about that top. You wanted to thank a couple people who you've been corresponding with for good information I think they've been sending you away. Yeah, thanks to Mark for enjoying talking to him about some of his writing involving... Actually, he's got a really interesting story. Uh, He's ended up writing for his rugby team. I believe it's rugby for his local sports team who... Oh, uh, Gladiator. Who's the gladiator dude? Russell Crowe? Yeah. Yeah. Russell Crowe bought his, I want to call it football team, but I don't want it like a rugby team. Yeah. And has brought them back to life. And Mark has become their kind of scribe. He, oh, yeah. He got to write a a history for this team. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, apparently before every game, they read like from their their bible uh about one of these old oh yeah stories about the team and this that's is cool. and yeah he's their scribe and uh that's neat thank you to mark oh and, and, and mark bought my cd right on bedford level experiments place, place without right. a computer right on so thank you mark that's cool and then also thanks is he like the first powder worker to buy it? yes and yes he is the first powder worker to buy it that's cool uh but you can listen to it free online too if, if you don't want the physical cd visit our show notes for more information look at the show notes and uh a big hello to cameron who is writing about all 45 i think 45 midnight oil geeks that he's been to just since around the era of breathe mm-hmm. amazingly and he is not only he's he's a really good writer, actually, yeah. and he's uh, telling interesting stories yeah, about every about every gig. Yeah, so check those out. Got a couple 
messages about the lyrics in Earth and Sun and Moon. Kind of that uh, little thing at the beginning that we were trying to figure out what uh, Jim is saying there. So Wellington, LA21 on Twitter, says to us, Hey, some Earth, Sun, and Moon thoughts. Firstly, the lyrics, Blue Ball of Life, The Moon and Tide, Earth is Alive. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they also uh, gave a, a link to this documentary called The Blue Planet. We can watch on YouTube, apparently. Um, this documentary partially inspired yeah. um, the writing I, of the song. I thought I mentioned that in during the recording, that this was about like viewing Earth yeah. from above. But oh, definitely. That, but that there was like this documentary too. Didn't there was, there was some part? sort of but inspiration. Anyway, but yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So yes, we can put that in the show notes if I people agree. want to watch it. Um, but Julia has a different idea of about, about those lyrics. Julia yes. on Twitter says to us, driving, listening to the Earth, Sun, and Moon podcast, and I'm shouting at you, moon and the tide, Earth will survive. Good thing my windows weren't down. Yes. And that seems to ring true to me as well, especially yeah. especially the end there, Earth yeah, will survive. In either case, it sounds much more correct than what we were yep. guessing. Well, yes. I think we just didn't know. Oh, we didn't know, yeah, we but I was, I was trying guess. to listen. Well, you so. had a good guess. Thank yeah. you for that. Graham reminded me of all of my, especially Earth, Sun, and Moon era CD singles that I have. Now, something that, that we don't ever talk about, like we sometimes talk about you know chart positions of, of singles and whether or not it's a worthy single or not, or, but we don't actually talk about the singles themselves as they're released and the B-sides and... and perhaps different mixes or different yeah. edits for the singles yeah, and stuff like it was, that. It's pretty cool about the oils, how at one time they were actually releasing lots of these extra yeah. CDs that were, were, well, I guess the idea was to release the single, but they would actually pack two, three, four, five, six songs onto a CD. Hmm. And then you get all these rare songs or yeah. remixes or whatever. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. Great super. for the fans. So well, I know, hope they start doing that again. Yeah, that'd be great with the new album coming out next oh, yeah. year. Yeah, mm -hmm. oh, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, maybe something that we could take a, a listen to in the future. That's Not right. Not that we don't have enough to do already. Yeah, we seem to have lots to talk about. At one point, I was telling you about how I thought I heard an auto harp in one of the oil songs. In uh, Best of Both Worlds? It no. was something on Red Sails, wasn't it? Or a 1098? I thought it was like, I thought we were talking like, Blue Cosiosco. Sky, Blue Sky, or maybe even Earth, Sun, and Moon. Oh, you thought you heard it on yeah. one of those. But yeah. anyway, apparently the auto harp was actually used in Read About It. Ah. And so there's this really cool documentary, Only the Strong, Yes. that I've told you about that is really good. I heard I heard it's really good, Darren. It's really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's like the format is like, here's Jim, here's Nick Launay. They're sitting at the mixing desk. They're talking about the songs. They're playing the songs. They're fading things down and soloing other things. And, and here are alternate takes of stuff. And it's really good. So that's business as usual. Let's talk about the album now. So released in October of... 1996 October 15th Breathe was released Wow So this album Already 21 years old We like to think of this as One of the new ones One of those new albums Yeah It's like oh no it's 20 years old And in fact we are now the age That the oils were We're older Yeah even older Because it's about 20 
Yeah, well, the oils are about 20 years old. Pete, yeah. Pete is 20 years older than us. Yes. So that's right. So, yeah, it's we're slightly older. Putting this in context for for our, our very important lives, Darren. Yes, that's right. Oh, we had so much that we were talking about that got not recorded. <laughs> yes. Oh, well. That's okay. Sometime. It's lost in the ether. The, the words will come back. I really like that concept. So, Robin did the music for a Steve Jobs play. That is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so he has this concept. Well, you tell them this concept of the ether, how you recorded, how you got this album. Okay. Yeah. So this album for, okay, there's a a play called, well, monologue called The Agony and the Ecstasy of Steve Jobs. A friend of mine in Madison, Wisconsin put on a play, a a production of it. Mm -hmm. He wanted some music for this production. So the idea became that when Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak were creating the original Apple, they did that in a garage. And Steve, Steve Jobs' garage, this is when they were poor. Yep. And the idea is that in that same garage where the original Apple computer was created, there was also a garage band. Yeah. And that garage band put the creation of the Apple computer to music. Yeah. And then they continued on making music as the Macintosh came out and as the iPhone came out yeah. and all this. But they never recorded they it. They never recorded it. It just kind of went off into the ether. And somehow in my basement... There's a nodal point. There's a nodal point. And all that music kind of came back. Yeah. And uh, You were I, able to capture I it. I captured it and that became this album. Anyway, so, the whole concept the of, of the ether. I don't know why we we're talking about that. <laughs> I thought that was that's a really neat framing device for the whole album. Yeah. That's a great story around it. So check that out, bedfordlevelexperiment.com. Yes. Please. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. That's the greatest sting ever. I know, eh? We should bring that back. <laughs> yeah. So after Earth, Sun, and Moon, they toured it, and yep. it, it did okay and all yep. that. They decided to take, they probably toured 93, 94. Yeah. They took 1995 totally off. They did. And did some anonymous solo projects. Yeah. Such as the Ghost Riders mm-hmm. for Rob. Yep. And Fuzz Face yes. for Jim. Yeah. And Which I have finally you, ordered. You just ordered it. Yes. And they were anonymous because they had uh, their contractual, contractual obligations. obligations. Not to be doing other music, so they were being sneaky. Hence, ghostwriters. Yeah, hence yeah. ghostwriters, and yeah, and Fuzzface. I think um, Bones and possibly Martin uh, played on Fuzzface yeah, as well. Yeah, uh, and so, yeah, Nick Lane. Right. Yeah, well, Jim. He was saying that he was really becoming dismayed with the whole commercialism of putting together Oils albums and stuff like that, and he was really kind of he was glad to have the time off. Um, from touring and and just from oils in general, and he he made the point of saying, you know, I, I wasn't wanting to leave the oils, but I wanted to do something else. And so when he does this fuzz face EP with Nick Lane, and not having any expectations upon him, you know, they're just down in the basement doing this by themselves. He just loved it, and it rejuvenated. And he says, you know, it helped me connect with my muse again. And he came to breathe really raring to go with lots of with a lot of excitement and, and and wanting to put a lot of energy in himself into the album yeah he did not everybody showed up <laughs> no. happy though right no yeah so we have learned that uh bones and rob in particular in particular really didn't dig the breathe sessions no 
a large okay now yeah. the breathe session there's like yeah two. you say breathe sessions because yeah. i think a lot of the time when we think of breathe or at least when i thought of breathe in the past i thought yeah this is the new orleans recorded album you say new i sometimes say new orleans yes and sometimes you will say new orleans yes new orleans yes as if it's one word new orleans new orleans um i don't know if we've ever mentioned our friend mark owens on the podcast yeah mark owens is a good southern gentleman I met Mark Owens when I broke up the band and moved down to Minneapolis, Minneapolis to go to Bible and school. And then bizarrely, he came up to Thunder Bay for a while. Yeah, he did. So he's had one of the best band names ever. Yes. Stoned and Left for Dead. Yep. Great band name. And, Fantastic uh, band. Yeah, and Darren played on that. And I was kind of the remote engineer on yeah. it. So anyway. Mark Owens is a good buddy of ours. Um a fine southern gentleman and yeah. he taught me that it's not new orleans and i can't say it the way a proper southern gentleman yeah. would say it but i think it's closer to new orleans new orleans than new, new orleans. orleans yeah kookaburra kookaburra Coogee bay yeah we're sitting on the cooch <laughs> so yeah we tend to think of breathe as being the new orleans album yeah where actually i think that the split is actually more in favor of the Sydney recording studio, yeah. uh, Darling Harbor Studios. I think Kingsway Studios, which was where the New Orleans studio. Yeah. Um, that's where they recorded Sins of Omission, One Too Many Times, In the Rain, and probably E Beat as well. Yeah. So maybe only four songs. Yeah. Sometime Mark Dodson's book says half, but, yeah. but still. Either way. So this is... Malcolm Burns. Not Malcolm Burns. I'm going to call him Mr. Burns all night. Yeah. Malcolm so, Byrne. But the guy... His, oh, Daniel Lanois. Yeah. So this studio is Daniel Lanois's studio in New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> it sounds like the Oils thought yeah. that Daniel Lanois was going to produce their album. He's a very famous producer, for those of you who don't know. Yep. And... Inter- and musician. He, and he toured as a musician opening for the oils and the hip in 93 when we saw them that's right yeah and and darren had a funny story about remembering well, daniel i Lanois remember daniel lanois coming out on stage but i i've never gotten into daniel lanois yeah um i don't think i mean any disrespect i just haven't gotten into this guy but like he's he's re- okay can i give you some names of of people that oh, yeah. have recorded at his studio tell me uh, R.E.M. Automatic for the People was recorded there. Super great album. As well as Monster and probably some other stuff. Peter Gabriel's Us was recorded yeah. there. The Tragically Hip Music at Work and Day for Night good was recorded there. Always got a good excuse for mentioning the Tragically Hip on the Midnight yeah, Oil podcast. we got to do that every, every so, episode. So Daniel Anwar, in addition to being a really interesting songwriter, musician himself, um, I think he's worked with U2, he has worked with U2. Oh, yeah. Um, and just maybe hasn't actually recorded U2 at kinds this of, studio. Yeah, all kinds of big production. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, he's like one of these highly sought-after producers, especially around this era. Um, and so the oils, we think, we can imagine. Yeah. Um, I've reason tour to with believe. Him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tour alongside of this guy. And, and he says, hey, you guys should come down to, to record in my studio sometime. Yeah, and they'd be, oh, yeah, okay. 
And then they call him up three years later and say, hey, we're ready to record. Okay, you guys come on down. And they get And Malcolm. they get there and, and there's Malcolm. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I told my story about the first time, about when we saw Daniel Anwar. Oh, no, you didn't finish So this story. guy comes out on the stage with this folding chair and he starts tuning up the guitar. And I think, oh, okay, well, he's, he's tuning. The, this is the guitar tech tuning the guitar. Yeah. And he starts playing a song and singing along. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess he's doing the sound check for Daniel Anwar, maybe, <laughs> or something like that. And man, the sound check just goes on forever, and eventually the whole set is over, and Daniel Lanois leaves the stage. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just remember all he toured with it was him with a electric guitar, yep. and then there was a bassist and a percussionist, so okay. to speak, not yeah, really yeah. a drummer. And there wasn't like really anything on the stage, but like this folding chair, and the bass player stood there, and the percussionist may have sat on a piece of cardboard beside him or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Surrounded by like little little Shakery, shakers doodads, and stuff, yeah. yeah, gourds, yeah, and the bassist was so loud, like, like I am a bassist and I love bass, yeah, and the bassist was just so stupid loud the whole time, and I was like, turn it down, turn it down. I can see how people might misunderstand him once in a while, yeah, you know. But I wonder if that was like some of the appeal, oh for yeah, the oils to you know always trying to do something new, yeah. Oh, and so that kind of reminds me of coming off Earth and Sun and Moon. Earth and Sun and Moon is coming. They're they're working on that as grunge is is breaking. Yeah. And so instead of doing the grunge thing, Minato figures, oh, we'll relate to the kids by doing the hippie thing. Yeah. With Earth the and Sun and Moon. The kids love the hippie thing. I love the hippie thing. It worked for me. Yeah. But I wonder if, you know, part of... And I know that they're, they're not concerned about missing the grunge boat. I know that. But I wonder if... They missed the grunge boat. They totally missed the grunge boat. But the whole, like, the aggressive, gritty, in-your-face sound of Breathe, I wonder if that was them trying a few years too late to kind of do something like that. Yeah, it's like, we'll give you your grunge after it's, where, after it's losing popularity. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting you say unequivocally that Breathe is a grungy album because well, okay. we, we got to talk about this because... Yeah. I, I think it's a it's a it lacks polish. Yeah. Um, but like some people, some powder workers, I think think it's it's a dumb, quiet, acoustic, folky country album. Totally. Some people think that. Yeah. Um, but if you listen to it loud, you will find out that there's all kinds of noisy guitars on oh, it. Yeah. And all sorts of stuff. It's got well, lots of room noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so when I first got Breathe, I didn't really think too much of it. Um, it wasn't a country folky album, quiet, laid back type of thing that to me, this was a very aggressive, gritty, in your face, nasty, loud affair that I just, I didn't really like up until this point in 1996, when breathe comes out, breathe was definitely, I I could say no problem. Breathe is my least favorite midnight oil album going. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was never the, this country folky thing. It was always this really loud, aggressive thing that yeah. I didn't like. Yeah, I I found it an odd album uh, because of the roughness and the mix, the ver- the variety between the songs. Okay. Yeah, in that uh, some songs were what I would call novelty songs that are just so different for mm-hmm. the oils to do mm-hmm. it's like another bakerman or uh, my controversial uh, outbreak of love outbreak of love i think that's kind of like a novelty song yeah. for the oils yeah 
uh, even if some of our, our good friends don't agree. What Breathe does very well um, compared to Earth and Sun and Moon, though, is it gives you variety. Oh, yeah. Because Earth and Sun and Moon, and, and we were talking about this earlier. Yeah, this is the one flaw, and I think I said it quite clearly during the game yes. at the end of Earth, Sun, and Moon. Yeah. The one weakness Earth, Sun, and Moon has is it doesn't have those peaks and valleys, yeah. those ups and downs yep. that a truly great album would have. Yeah. 1098 has has it. Yep. And Breathe, interestingly, has it. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, Breathe does, a. I think it does the best job of giving you that flow that you like in the album, that variety. Um, yeah, it's got different styles of music but like the intensity and it gives you a break and then it then it slowly ramps you up and then it and it gets you going again it does a really good job of that better than any album better than earth and sun and moon better than blue sky mining yeah definitely um, maybe even better than diesel and dust yeah i think it's yeah. better than diesel i think it goes it does a great job i think i think the only other album that does it so well the only other albums, 1098 and Postcard, yeah. are the two albums yeah. that I think it equals them. Yeah, in... I would I would say that Red Sales does a pretty good job of it as well. I don't know if it does as great a job. Yeah, I just... But it's got some of it there. Yeah, I, I guess I'm... Yeah, I'm still biased against Red Sales a bit or something. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I described it as, as gritty earlier. There's kind of more punky elements that we haven't heard um, from the oils in years and years and years. Um, you've got the the country folkiness going on. You've got like some hymn type songs, mm-hmm. the most overt prayer type songs that I think that I've heard on oils albums. Yeah, the depths of the lyrics are vast. I think. When we were talking about Earth and Sun and Moon, that there was a surprising depth to yeah. that to Earth, Sun and Moon yeah, that I that I hadn't realized until I I really dug into it this summer, and not that I I listened to Breathe once or twice in '96 and threw it away, I listened to Breathe a lot. It, it never got as much play as the other albums, but I found in this last month, just because of how recording and stuff worked out, that I've we've had a month to listen to Breathe. There's so much to, to dig into, at least as much as in Earth and Sun and Moon. I, I don't know if I want to say more than Earth and Sun and Moon, but yeah. I think that it's on equal with Earth and Sun and Moon as far as, as lyrical interest and, and stuff to think about and to continue to be working through in my head. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree that it, it reaches Earth, Sun and Moon's heights and, and possibly exceeds them. I guess yeah. by the time we're done talking about every song then i'll be able to assess that but i think it is up there do you want to talk about do you want to like go through some of the quotes that we've culled from the band members just to kind of hear about where they were at and what they were thinking about the album yeah so i've got some quotes from bones and you have some from rob yep so again i'm quoting from or at least i'm paraphrasing uh beds are burning the book by mark dodson and uh, that you should all pick up and read because it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the recording. Uh, it pushed Rob and Bones' patience. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and basically both say that it was their least favorite of all studio albums that they worked on. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, Rob and Bones found the band's Canadian producer, Malcolm Byrne. And have we already made a point of saying yeah. that, yes, he's the Canadian <laughs> yeah, producer. Yeah, they found the Canadian producer very hard to work with. Not just the producer, the Canadian yeah, that producer. Canadian producer. Cosmo, you know those Cosmo. Canadian jerks. Yeah. Uh, and Rob played a relatively unenthusiastic and very low-key role throughout mm. the process. Bone says this is the album where Rob didn't sing a note. Wow. And, and we think maybe that's... Hyperbole? It's hyperbole that he sang on one song that he co-wrote. Oh, we might as well get that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so as far as like songwriting credits go, there's yeah. like two songs credited to the band. And normally... Like we think of Rob as like throwing out tons of songs, like yeah. at least two or three, at least two or three well, Rob songs. He, he's credited on, I would say, half of every song. Oh isn't yeah, he? like yeah. This album, besides the two songs that are credited to the band, the whole band, there's one Hurst and Hillman collaboration. Yeah, and amusingly, that's, that's it. So it's amusing that drummer and bassist got together to write a song. Yeah, and maybe that's indicative of how of how they had some unity in their discord like yeah. they, they just were not happy with what was going on and okay so that's bear's degree is the the hearst hillman yeah. song and that's the one song where i really think i hear rob and bones singing together okay quite a bit yeah and pete almost takes a back seat vocally in that song yeah but we'll, we'll get to that then but yeah two things off of that Okay, we're just talking about how Bear's Degree is kind of different than the other songs. Yeah. Um, when I think of this album, I think of like Underwater and Surf's Up Tonight. They kind of fit together, but they don't kind of fit in with the rest of the album to yeah. me. And then you've got like your main body of the album from Common Ground um, down to E-Beat, I would say. And it really picks up, I think, around Star of so Hope and like, then going down. Yeah, so like nine, yeah. nine songs there. Which would be a perfect which, length for an album. Yeah, which are a mix of the countryish ones, some surprisingly heavy songs. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Barris Degree, which s- stands apart from the rest of the songs. And of course, Gravel Rash, the instrumental at the end. So that's how you kind of have the four bits. But yeah. yeah, you've got like the block of two, you've got the main body of work, I think. And then you've got this Hurst Hillman Barris Degree song at the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I think thematically it's kind of pointing towards discontent and stuff there as well. Yeah. I have quotes and I've been reading uh, Rob's Willie's Bar and Grill this week and the Yellow Midnight Oil book by Michael Lawrence. And as well, I've I've watched a couple uh, documentaries online. So my quotes are going to be from those things. But can I just give you a quick Bones quote and a Rob quote? Um, The Rob quote is, that uh, this was not the happiest time of my musical life, mm. recording um, Breathe. Um, he mentions in, in Willie's Bar and Grill that he was suffering from the same kind of anxiety attacks that he was having um, during the recording of 1098. Um, he also talks about Malcolm, Mr. Burns, Mr. <laughs> Byrne, the producer. He says that um, Malcolm played a range of instruments including your own if you left the studio (laughs) for anything longer than a quick piss. Yeah. So emphasizes the feeling that things weren't working well in the studio, Um, perhaps with Rob. Maybe Bones was feeling that too from your quote. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so Bones was saying that uh, 
as Malcolm came from the Daniel Lanois school, a very hands-on producer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that he play play the instruments. We'd be in the studio, and you'd say, "Just gotta go for a leak," and you'd come back, <laughs> and he'd be recording your part. Yeah. He'd be playing the drums. He'd be playing the bass. He'd be playing guitar. Yeah. I just walk in and go, "Oh, so you've done that, have you?" Well, let's leave it at that then. That's just, just nuts. So yeah, he was a toll bones again, saying he was a toll power freak. But maybe he suited those kinds of songs, Time to Heal, and stuff like that. Hmm. Chemistry-wise, he and I just didn't connect. And I know Rob didn't enjoy it either. Yeah. Um, because he was gone before the sessions were finished. Yeah. Rob I... left us in New Orleans and went to New Mexico. I'd never known him to do that before. It's not really obvious when you listen to the record. And for some people, it's their favorite. But the actual experience of making it sucked, for me anyway. Yeah. Now, Pete and Jim, especially, I think, really enjoyed making the Oh, album. yeah, they totally got into it. So I got a quote from Pete. I just thought it was so stripped back, so organic, so non-cerebral, so feel-based. I mean, mm. Malcolm was a total... Uh, he wasn't an easy person to work with. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. I didn't enjoy working with him that much. Okay. But the actual idea of recording and trying to work like that, I really liked. I heard the Neville brothers every time I walked into the Darling Harbor studio. I thought, this is right. This is worth doing. Well, and for what it's worth, I, I have a quote from Rob here where yeah. he says that um, he loved the different sounds that they were able to get with Malcolm recording them. Yeah. So as much as he found it difficult or he was at a really hard place musically in his life, and maybe didn't enjoy the recording process, he recognizes that good stuff came out of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think nobody's saying that Malcolm was a crappy producer. Right. They just, a lot of them didn't like his in-your-face, Yeah, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this well, in yeah. the producer's opinion. Yeah. And if you're not going to do it right now, I'm going to do it, because yeah. I can play everything. <laughs> well, and, and that quote from Jim about the whole, how he sets people... So Jim says... When we did breathe, it was just shambolic. We were all recording live and together in this one room with this weird Canadian guy who created an atmosphere of tension in a Machiavellian way. Again with the Canadian. Yeah, always with the Canadian, mentioning the weird Canadian guy. Uh, yeah, who created an atmosphere of tension in a Machiavellian way that I thought really worked for the band on mm. that album. Even though I did walk out one night. Oh, yeah. And then Bones walked out the next night. And then on Jim's 40th birthday, he wasn't even going to come in because Malcolm and uh, Jim had had a stupid argument about something. And he said, oh, yeah, what have you geniuses got now? But I knew why he was doing it. He was doing it to put the band on its metal and to stop us getting too comfortable and to question a lot of the assumptions we'd made about what works and what doesn't. Ah, yeah. Very interesting to read that, that lots of people were walking out at yeah. various points. Oh, yeah. It yeah. sounds like a Beatles recording or something like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this anger where people would just walk out. Jim walked out once. Bones walked out. Yeah. Rob packed up and left yeah. the town. Can I read you a Bones quote here? <laughs> yes. My favorite tracks, Bones says, were actually recorded after, and this is like in quotes, the producer, not even Malcolm <laughs> or Mr. Byrne, but the producer, probably he means the Canadian producer had gone or thrown a tantrum and left. <laughs> so we now have heard that Jim, Rob, Rob Bones, and Malcolm, the producer, yep. all walked out 
during this. That's pretty tense. Yeah. Okay, we were talking about volume at one point. Mm-hmm. I like to listen to this album turned all the way up to 11. This one goes to 11. I mentioned how back in 96, this was my least favorite Oils album. Now I like Breathe, and I like to listen to Breathe loud. You lose the subtleties but if you some... don't blast okay, this album. That sounds corny, and I know it sounds corny, but there's something about listening to this album loud that makes it better. And yeah. I don't know why, yeah. but you might have some well, ideas. I sort of do, because there's at least one song, which I think I had written off as another one of those quiet acoustic country songs on this album. Mm-hmm. And when I listen to a certain volume, all of a sudden I realize, oh, there's this gritty guitar, fantastic distortion going yep. on. I hadn't really noticed that before. And this Until just, you listen to it loud. Yeah. Yeah. And this was just very recently. Yeah. So maybe as a recommendation for folks who think of Breathe as a laid-back, boring, boring album. album that they can't get into, yeah. maybe you just need to listen to it louder. Yeah, louder or change your environment. Like if you always listen through a certain set of speakers, mm-hmm. listen to it in headphones. Or if you always listen to it in headphones, Put listen it on to in it, the car. Yeah, in the car or listen to it on the computer or whatever. Do something different to shake it up for you. Yeah. Yeah, and turn it up. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a key is to turn it up. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny that I say that because originally this was the aggressive album that I didn't like. But now it's like, yeah, turn this one up and, and I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And just to tie this in, I think they're the, the two most misunderstood Oils albums are right. Breathe yeah. and the follow-up, Redneck Wonderland. Yeah. I think both people pigeonhole non-objectively like i mean you know everybody's got their opinion and that's Mm -hmm. fine Mm -hmm. but a lot of people have fairly uninformed opinions on these albums where they only did listen briefly Mm -hmm. and they made up their mind about it and they have a a stereotype of the album that doesn't really hold up to any true scrutiny yeah like i guess people can say well i have my opinion and that's it i don't care about i'm entitled to my yeah i don't care about your facts but I think if you introduce some facts to it, now it's fine. You can't make somebody like something they don't like. That's no. that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that people will have a stereotype that where they sum it up in certain words and the, the and perhaps write it off and not give it a chance. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas if they were able to approach it from a different angle or have a little bit more understanding behind how things were put together, they might be able to appreciate it more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I'm looking forward. Um, I really enjoyed listening to Breathe because Breathe is no longer easily my least favorite Oils album. I like Breathe now. Yeah. Um, And I'm looking forward to listening to Redneck again. Even though I've listened to Redneck probably more than I listened to Breathe in the past, I I still think I have it pigeonholed um, as one of my least favorite Oil albums. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to spending the time with it, giving it the respect it deserves, hopefully... You know, coming at it from some different angles and yeah. enjoying it more. Yeah, like, and if people have Redneck pigeonholed as uh, just this uh, angry, you know, that industrial, yeah. whatever, yeah. that's all they say it is. But then it's like, okay, well, what about Drop in the Ocean at the yeah. end? I mean, we'll save that for them. But I'm just saying there's like a total, the most Beatles-esque song mm. the Oils have ever done mm. is on that Redneck. Yeah. <laughs> so, so again, it's the stereotype where people try to sum up an album 
really they've only clued into about four unusual songs yeah and it's so easy to form an opinion quickly like even when i was listening to breathe the first time in several years um this summer the first time i listened to it i heard underwater and surfs up tonight and i thought oh well i don't know why i didn't like this in the past this sounds just like earth sun and moon to me yes and then it changes yeah but and then it changes again (laughs) i i very quickly came to a conclusion that didn't see it through to the end of the album yeah and i'm glad that i forced myself to spend four or five weeks with it so I think I understand this album a lot more than I know. I've understand it a lot more than I ever have in the past. And I enjoy it a lot more than I ever have. Yeah. So I haven't mentioned Neil Young yet. We need to mention Neil Young. So, so this album has a bunch of Neil Young connections to me in a way. It's like if the oils wanted to, I've got two personal Neil Young stories to tell in a few moments. Yeah, you will tell them. So this album has a bunch of Neil Young connections. Okay. One thing would be if you told midnight oil, to go into the studio and sound like Neil Young, uh-huh. you might end up with Breathe. Because the two extremes on this album sure. are this very country. There's a few songs on this album that are extremely country. So much so that they have Lou Harris singing on it, mm-hmm. who has accompanied Neil Young in his most yeah. country. Yeah, there you go. Good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you got the country, and then they all get really grungy. And who invented grunge? Neil Young did, man. Neil Young, man. And Neil Young, with his band Crazy Horse, is kind of the ultimate in lo-fi, mm-hmm. grungy, yep. get-it-done kind of rock, yeah. not worrying about the subtleties. I think the spirit of Neil Young is totally in this album. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Daniel Lanois, about 10 years ago, recorded a Neil Young solo album, oh, yeah, yeah. which is Neil Young and his electric guitar sing a bunch of songs, and then Daniel Lanois used his studio as another instrument, just mix and do all kinds of weird stuff with Neil's voice and guitar. Hmm. Um, good album called Le Noise. Le Noise. Le Noise. Check that's, that one out. That's French-Canadian for the noise. Yeah. So I, I think Breathe is really about, like, if if Crazy Horse tried to make a Midnight Oil album yeah. or the other way around, yeah, yeah then... You'd end up with something like this. Sure, sure. Okay. I can I can totally hear that. Oh, and and let's just we're we're going to mention Darren and I are both Neil Young fans. Yeah, and uh, have been for a long time. Yes. And a couple quick things: Neil Young is a Canadian. Yes. Daniel Lanois is Canadian. And what, this Malcolm Burns guy is Burns Canadian. Malcolm is a Canadian. So when Neil Young was young, he left Winnipeg where he grew up. Yeah. And. Went to Thunder Bay, of all places. Is is now a good time for me to tell my Neil Young stories? And now... Neil Young comes to Thunder Bay because he figures if... When was if, this, in the 60s? Yep. Um, if I'm going to make it, i got to leave Winnipeg, and I've got to go somewhere big. I go to Thunder Bay. I'm to Thunder Bay. For some reason. Yeah. And yeah, so he was... Him and the Squires, Neil Young and the Squires, I think were the house band at the 4D um, for a year. Um, I don't know how long he was in Thunder Bay. Yeah, it's about a year, or I so. think, yeah. So I've got two familial connections with Neil Young. Neil Young had dinner at my grandparents' house, just like about three or four blocks from where we're sitting right now. Neil Young had dinner. Well, of course he would have, because like downtown's like only about a 15 minute walk away anyway. Um, So that was kind of cool. But one evening, my mom and her friends were... A group of young women. A group of young ladies were walking home after 
an evening out. It may have been at the 4D. It may have been one of the other places. Catching some music and having some soda pops. And Neil Young and the band drives up beside them in the car. Rolls down the window. Hey, girls. Need a ride home? Mom got a ride home with Neil Young. Right on. And I think it was in the Hearst. Like his convertible Hearst. Was it a convertible Hearst? Well, didn't he have one? Didn't he have that, like... I want to say What's to- the point? topless hearse. <laughs> What's the point in having a convertible hearse? <laughs> Why would you do it's that? Awesome. It's awesome. It's an open casket. Yeah, Might open. as well be a, a convertible. <laughs> Maybe it was just a regular hearse. Yeah. Anyway, that's my Neil Young connections. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And sometime I'll tell you my Johnny Cash story. I need somebody to write to us and tell us a Johnny Cash connection to Midnight Oil so I can tell my johnny cash story. that's right yeah so this this album was definitely less polished more kind of garage yeah band down in new orleans new orleans do you think that's kind of a thing there at least the more like if if we have to sum up what's the difference between nashville music and new orleans music to me nashville is country and overproduced and New Orleans is jazzy and just flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah, it's more, let's say it's more real. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, can, can I read you yeah. something that uh, Jim said about it? He said mm-hmm. that this album is where you get a swampy version of the oils. It's not a clean recording. There's lots of atmosphere. I love that stuff, mm-hmm. says Jim. So oils fans, Jim loves breathe. And Pete likes breathe too. Yes. Pete said that he's got a, a special he's got a soft spot. A soft spot for, for it. For this album. And you're saying that in a band in, a full band interview. Minus Martin. Minus Martin. He's because, kinda looking around. And and he knows that the other guys well, he knows that, that Rob and Bones don't feel this way. Yeah, he's waiting for Bones to punch him in the back of the head and <laughs> Rob to him with a drumstick or something so he when he said says, that. You know, I've got a soft spot yeah. for this album, and we'll say just no let more. it be like this. <laughs> say no more. What do you think is the most opposite album from a production? We're, yeah. we're talking about production now. Yeah. Um, you got Breathe. What is its polar opposite in the Oils canon? And that's that's a hard question to answer because, like, okay, if you go way back to something like the blue meanie or head injuries or something like that saying breathe has that intensity and that power that that those albums have in in places so that doesn't doesn't really work um and then you've got like the 1098s and the red sails where you've got like some really neat experimental sounds but you also find that in breathe so that's not an opposite and then as we're talking about like the depths of lyric you find that in Earth and Sun and Moon. Um, it's hard to say. So I, I'm going to say something like a, like a Diesel and Dust or a Blue Sky Mind is maybe the most opposite of Breathe that you get. Yeah, I think like uh, Blue Sky Mind is kind of the opposite because it lacks the ups and downs to the as as totally. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a little better than some albums but still overall it's this low beat boys i think we have a very depressing album here but production wise is what i'm thinking of is that it was all done digitally in the very early days of digital right everything was extremely controlled but even more maybe red sales where they went to japan yeah and what what did you call this uh, oh the, the hermetically sealed <laughs> yeah yeah where everything's done by people like in lab coats yep. with uh 
you know. Yeah, where it, when they're recording in New Orleans, they've got the windows open, they've got the doors yeah. open because it doesn't get cold. Like yeah. it doesn't cool down at night. You've got to keep that stuff open. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because this is a house studio. Did you know that? No, I it's didn't. not like it's a, a room. It's a house studio, and so like they had like drums set up in the living room. They had the amps in the foyer or something like that. Bones was sliding down the banister of the big staircase playing his bass. You make it sound like, like he was having fun. I don't think it was uh, yeah, like that at all. We know he wasn't having well, fun. Well, Jim said they were all kind of in a room together, which okay. is very different than like Red Sails where everybody would have their booth. You know, you go in your right. booth, you go yeah. in your booth. I think it's one of these old stately homes like yeah. where you can probably see the foyer from the living room yeah. to the staircase. And that's but. right. And it sounds and the whole album really has the space to it where it sounds like there are there is a microphone in the corner of the room yep. picking up the whole room. Yep. And you hear the creaks and you hear the footsteps or and you the hear coughs. Yeah, you, that's right. You hear all the sounds. And um, it stays in the recording. Yeah. And they just leave it in there. Yeah. 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 That's right. So yeah, we didn't get talking about the drums. No. So what what are your thoughts about not the playing so much? We can get to that in the yeah, movie, but the overall sound of the drums. And I did want to make a comment on the playing. So okay. yes, we are going to talk about because when we were talking yeah. earlier about Rob um, not being enthusiastic about the album, I don't think that goes to his playing. I think that there is a lot of energy and a lot of variety. It's it's picking back up again after keeping things relatively simple for the last two or three albums. You know, there's lots of fun. Um, little bits thrown into Earth and Sun and Moon, but I think he's picking it up again. Um, so I think there is a lot of enthusiasm in his playing, but that's not what you're asking. You distinctly told me not to talk about well, that. Well, you're allowed to, but yeah, what I'm mostly interested in is is the overall sound. I've I've heard some negative comments sure. from the Powder Workers about uh, what the drums sound like on this album. Yeah, there's a variety of drum sound on this album. You've got what you would expect coming out of Earth and Sun and Moon on Underwater and Surf's Up Tonight. You know, just a straight-ahead rock kit playing great. You've got just some strange stuff. Um, is it In the Rain? Mm-hmm. The one that we were talking about, you really hear the room in that recording. It sounds like there's like a real close mic for the snare and for the hats, but for the bass sound in that recording, it sounds like it, there's like a, a microphone in the corner of the room that's just picking up the whole room. And if you want to hear the kick, you're getting it from that. So you get this massive room sound for this one part of the drumming, and you've got a nice up close sound for another part of the drumming. And then in other songs, you've got like a really high tuned snare drum that sounds almost like that the snares are really slackened off so you don't get a lot of that rattle sound with the snare and instead Rob uses um, like the tambourine or the hats to get that rattle that you you want to hear so as far as like a variety of techniques and recording everything was done with a purpose Mm -hmm. and they were trying to do something different so it doesn't bother me as far as like the live sound goes they had an intent behind what they were doing and maybe my ears just aren't that great, and so I, I don't notice these things that, that real good drummers notice. I don't mind the drumming on. Brave. Yeah, and it's not even necessarily uh, being a good drummer or not, but it's more this uh, engineer's ear, right? which is kind well, of a different thing for listening. You know, there is a quote that I want to read you from Rob. He was thinking that perhaps a previous producer, perhaps Warren Livesey or, or Nick Launay, 
um, should have mixed the album to give it a brighter sound. Because it is a, a dark... I don't want to say muddy, because it doesn't sound muddy to me. No. But... Yeah, it, it's got a little bit of that Place Without Postcard uh, sound yeah. to it. But it's not as extreme as as Postcards has sounded. No. It, it still sounds like a modern album with some crispiness, but it, it does have this big room sound a lot of the time, which is naturally adds to the muddiness of it, some reverb. This idea that Malcolm played the instruments himself oh, yeah. has been unsettling to me while I've listened to this because I haven't known if if I'm thinking, oh, that that's a good bass or guitar or drum bit. Yeah. And I think... Who's responsible for yeah, it? I don't know that's the regular oil and his instrument. Yeah. <laughs> there's just one real authentic oil song on this album where you've got all the guys and only the guys playing what we expect oh, them to play. Oh, wow. And which one? Bring on the change. Ah, yeah, ah. yeah. And that is the most rockin' song or the second? It's it's right up there. Yeah. Yeah. But as as far as like some other songs go, like you've got Martin playing mandolin, you've got Bones playing acoustic guitar, you've got Jim's playing bass, you've got Pete playing mandolin on things. Yeah. And then even guest musicians for the first time. Yeah. So Buddy Miller? Yeah. Apparently you, playing on some of these songs, right? Yeah, I think he's on one of them. Yeah. And uh, and other... Have we talked about Buddy Miller in the past? Well, you lent me... I, I've got at least one of your CDs here that months ago yeah. you lent me because you're saying, hey, Buddy Miller plays on Breathe. Yeah. You should listen to Buddy Miller. Yeah. Here. And? Hey, he's totally okay. <laughs> he's totally okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't fall in love with his stuff. Uh but like I, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. There's like some guy named Ethan Allen playing piano on one song huh. or something like that, and yeah. some djembe player, and of course Malcolm has got his fingers on everything. Just plays everything, yep. whatever he needs to play. Okay, who needs to go to the bathroom? Yeah, you could. You go to the bathroom. I play this part. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why I had a bad vibe about in the rain too at the in the beginning. Yeah, because that is. Rob is not playing on that song. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And can you check, tell me everybody who plays mm-hmm. on uh, Home. Peter, vocals. Emmylou Harris, vocals. Daryl Johnson, djembe. Buddy Miller, electric guitar. Bones, acoustic guitar. Martin, mandolin. Rob, drums. Jim, bass and electric guitar. Oh, Jim played the bass. Yeah. Wow. Malcolm, acoustic guitar. Huh. Yeah, I've I've got a little legend beside here. Yeah. You see the little pink with the check mark? That yeah. means Rob played on it. Oh. And the M means Malcolm played on it. So wow. Rob and Malcolm play on just about everything. Malcolm doesn't play on Bring on the Change. That's the oil song. Malcolm doesn't play on In the Rain either, but huh. neither does Rob. Uh-huh. Bones plays the clarinet on In the Rain. Really? Yes. Anyway, we'll talk about all these things when we get to them. In some ways, this does feel like a continuation of Earth, Sun, and Moon, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, the first couple tracks do. The first couple tracks, 
And then later, some of the themes and the themes come back yep. uh, on some later tracks yeah. too on the album. Yep. Do you think that this is the Oils' most Christian album? I'd like to hear your insights because it, my current understanding of these songs, yeah, it hasn't exceeded Earth, Sun, and Moon. I think that themes that we get a lot on this album are themes of repentance reconciliation restoration and coming to know ourselves as we really are it seems to me it's very much dealing with spiritual themes um i'm really interested to to pull these things apart with you i don't think you mentioned hope oh yeah definitely there's hope yeah and hope really comes out um when i'm when i was throwing out words like restoration and regeneration and making things right i think i, I hope think hope is kind of wrapped up assumed in, in those yeah or underlies well. underlies yeah. those things yeah. yeah i think there's at least a couple songs that are obviously prayer mm-hmm. i'm still not finding it uh more than earth sun and moon at this point i'm okay. finding it about about equal yeah um earth and sun and moon seem to be talking about spiritual things this album seems to be applying those spiritual realities to themselves more so. Right. This one uh, does seem another step towards the more personal. Yeah, yeah. So in a way, maybe that's when Rob stepped out, mm-hmm. it filled in even more with Pete and Jim's relative introspection yeah. and their tendency. Yeah. Because what, what do we think Rob lyrics are... They're about a thing, aren't they? Yeah. Like they're they're about this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think maybe that's what happened on this album with with Rob being less involved, more of Pete and Jim mm-hmm. filled this album. Yeah. And maybe it had to get past. I don't know how often in the past Rob would say, or Bones for that matter would say no, you yeah. know, to something. Yeah. Or would. Like if, if Pete was coming with a very Christian sounding song and then Rob would kind of come in with something to obfuscate it a yeah. bit and uh, or make it more acceptable, I guess. Yeah. And then there was less of that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was going on. And it, it could just be that it's easy to come from one's own worldview and, and see things in the lyrics that you relate to. Mm-hmm. And so I can come to these lyrics that may just be whatever type lyrics and be able to put a Christian worldview into it because that's where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. I'm also wondering if you are not remembering uh, in Earth, Sun and Moon. Probably. There, there were a few <laughs> songs that I think I surprised you with you my did. interpretation. You did. And um, so that's why I'm currently thinking the count is... If, if it's I'm, more even. If I'm numbering yeah. okay. it, I'm kind of thinking, gotcha. yeah, there's about this many and about this many. Um, but I definitely agree it's a bit more personal. Yeah. And so that, that might make it sink in a bit deeper. I think we'll call this the end of part one of the podcast. Yeah. We'll hash it out next time we get together. Yeah. There's so much good stuff to come. There is tons of stuff. But we're going to call it a night. So we don't have to put any vinyl back into any sleeves. 
No. Because we have no vinyl and because we're just about to start listening to this. Yeah, we haven't, we even, haven't even started, started listening, listening to, to the it. album. There's a first for you. Man alive. <laughs> we we would have got to it, but we had a technical failure and some words were lost forever until we find them again. Yep. So join us next time when we're actually going to be talking about the songs on Breathe, on Comfortable Place on the Couch, a Midnight Oil podcast. You can get in touch with us on the Twitter at Darren the Folds and at Robin Harbin. We have a website with show notes. And I think even though we haven't started talking about the songs, we're probably going to throw up a bunch of good show notes for documentaries and, mm. and other stuff. So you'll want to check that out at darrenfolds.com slash podcasts. Hey, if you don't want to tweet to us, you can find a contact form and you can email us on the website. Whatever. Yeah. Thank you for putting up with us. For Robin Harbin, I'm Darren Folds. Good night. Good night. <laughs>